it's good to be with you all this morning. Do you guys know that, um, if you haven't noticed, I am Hispanic, okay? Um, you know that, that, that Hispanics celebrate Christmas on the 24th, not the 25th? Did you guys know that? Yeah. I mean, my, my family is, is all beginning to celebrate already by going to church, which is great, right? My parents had a, are at a church in Whittier. Uh, we live in Fresno, California, and we drove down to be with them. And so it was easy for your pastor to say, hey, could, could you please cover for me, you know, on the 24th? Because I think I'm going to have a baby that day. And so I said, absolutely, I'd love, love to do that. And so it's great to be able to be with you all here today. I, I don't pastor a church. I am, a, I am your missionary in California. I, am, uh, I work with the California uh, Southern Baptist Convention. Our office is in Fresno, but our staff is all over the place in California. Uh, you guys send us your cooperative program dollars. We manage them. Uh, I manage the missionary team that we have in California. That's my role. And I get to preach at different churches and encourage uh, different churches. And uh, it just been, it, it's, it's a neat time of the year to be at a church. And I was just looking at my phone right now and, and saw that the last time I was at your church, was, which was the first time that I was at your church, was in 2021. And it was during a Christmas service, so I got to see you guys do some of the Advent stuff then, and how wonderful it is to be here once again. Uh, today, uh, as, I, as I bring God's Word, uh, I will be in Matthew chapter 1, so I invite you to go there to Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to be uh, looking at a, a part of the scripture that we, we all know, because I think a lot of us know the, the Christmas story, but I'm going to be focusing on a character that sometimes goes a little bit unnoticed, uh, a little bit unrecognized for the work that he does. And I'm going to move some of the things that are up here because I brought a lot of things to have up here and I and, uh, need it out of the way. But I'm going to be talking about uh, Joseph, Joseph, uh, the unexpected person God used. And I, I, I focused on him because I think, you know, it's important for us to, to, to know, like, what does God want to do with us? How does God want to use me? Those are questions that I ask myself all the time. When we look at the Christmas story and we look at, at Mary, uh, Mary, um, we knew what her role was, right? Was, was the Holy Spirit was going to come on her and it, it was the, the virgin that was already uh, pre-told about in the, New Testament, in, the, in the Old Testament. And now in the New Testament, we see this happening and, and we know the importance of a mom. Uh, with the wise men that were sung about, we, we know what their role was, right, was to bring those, those, those gifts that were, you know, declaring who he was and then also what was going to happen with, with him. Uh, we, we see in, in the temple uh, the, the, those that were uh, anticipating his coming, right, and they were able to prophesy of who Christ was. Um, and we, we just see different characters, even, even Herod, right, the, the evil Right, the just evil man. We knew what his role would be in this whole part. Again, the prophecies of the Old Testament that speak about different things that were going to happen in the New Testament. And then you have Joseph. We don't know a lot about Joseph. So, so today we're going to try to learn from this, this character. And we're going to try to figure out a little bit about him and, and apply the truths of who he is to, to our lives and how God can... Um, Use even us, and we're going to look at five characteristics of of this of, of Joseph, and and apply them to our our lives. And um, 
And I hope that as you, you leave here today, if you identify yourself in one of those five areas, that you would just, you know, commit your life to the Lord to say, Lord, I want to be a person that is used by you. And when I think of, of Scripture and I look at Colossians 1.16, it's a beautiful passage. It's not on the PowerPoint, so don't, don't jump. I want to I read it for you. It says, for by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. And look at this last part. It's my favorite part of the verse, for him. So we've been created through him and for him, all things, all persons. We've been created for him. We are to give him glory, folks. Our, our lives are to glorify God. We need to figure out how God wants to use me. And so I think this Christmas season, it's important that we ask our que that question, God, how do you want to use me? And so five characteristics of, of, of Joseph. So the first one that we find here, we're going to find it. And I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to read verses 18 through 25. And then we'll start getting into the five um, characteristics. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Version. Some of you guys might have still have that one. It's an older version. I kind of like it, but uh, that's what I'll be reading out. Uh, and follow along in your Bibles. This is what the Word of God says. Now, the birth of Jesus was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let us pray. Father, as we read your word this morning and as we worship you, Father, in this place, Father, I pray first and foremost that your spirit would speak to us, Father, through your word. Father, that I would be used, Father, just as a mouthpiece, Father, and that I would decrease, Father, so that you may be increased in this place as you speak to us, Father, through this man. Father, I pray Secondly, Lord God, that as we are here, that we would hear from you and that we would be, Father, responsive to your word. And that, Lord, every one of us that would leave this place today, Father, knowing that, Lord, you want to use us for your glory. And Father, that we would find out how, that as we look at Joseph, Father, in his life, in this glorious Christmas story of our Lord and Savior that came and died on the cross of Calvary, but at resurrected on the third day, that you, Father, would want to serve you, love you, and live for you. Father, I pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and ask these things in the name of his son. Amen. 
You may be seated. So as we look at this, at this story of, 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 Christ, of the, the birth of Christ, the Messiah, as we look at the story and we look at the life of Joseph, this man that kind of seems to fall through the, through the cracks of, of this story, um, I think if we think of Joseph, maybe we would have thought, man, there were a lot of questions that I would ask if I would have been Joseph. But um, he doesn't. And what we see instead is, is this beautiful story of, of, of how Joseph um, makes this decision, how Joseph responds, and how we can respond to as well. Again, five characteristics of a person that God uses. The first one we find is that God uses, and even just looking at Joseph, ordinary, ordinary people. You know, we, we are told in Matthew 1, in, 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 uh, in Matthew 13, 55, we're told that he is a, he's a carpenter. How, do we, how are we told he's a carpenter? When they're referring to Jesus, they say that, isn't he the, the son of the carpenter, right? So he's a carpenter. Any carpenters here in, in the room? No? I, I knew a, a pastor that was a, a carpenter at the church that I was at before. My associate pastor was a carpenter. Every time we walked in a room that had any kind of finished wood, he would walk around and he'd just start doing this, you know. And and he, you know, he never actually went down to smell the varnish, but I'm sure he was he was trying to find out what kind of brand it was by the smell of it. But you know, this guy's hands were always full of stain, and I'm sure it, they were they were rough hands. They, they you know, his hands. Work. They were. He was just a man that that just he could work, and he loved the work that he did. And he did beautiful work. We used to have really beautiful tables around our our church that were nicely nicely finished because he would take them home. You know, if something was wearing down, he'd take it home and fix it and and bring it back all beautiful cherry wood, just just beautiful stuff. Um, he was just he was a simple man. Yet that pastor, that pastor was one of the best preachers we had in the church. He was way better than me, and I would give him the pulpit as much as I could. That was one of his gifts, was preaching. And he was just an ordinary, he's an ordinary man, just like Joseph was an ordinary man. But he's a carpenter. But we, we know from, from the first uh, chapter of Matthew, when we see the genealogy of, of Jesus, the Messiah, and we find that he is there also as, as a part of the bloodline of King David. So even though he was ordinary, he was part of that, of that family of the, uh, that was in the covenant, the promise that, that the king would come from, from David's bloodline, and, and we find that, that he is from that line. Ordinary man from this family, these, these people of promise. And folks, today for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, guess what? We're also just ordinary people, sinners, forgiven by God's grace, amen, that are a part of also the covenant. Not that old covenant, but the covenant that we're in today is, is Jesus, right? That he died for, for our sins, that all who would put their trust in him for the salvation of their souls and him alone could be saved. Why? Because of what he has done, what he has taught us as we put our faith in him. And so, Ordinary people. He was an ordinary man that was a part of this covenant. He was an ordinary man who was a carpenter. But we find something really awesome in, in, in his life. He is described as also a, a righteous man, a righteous man. I don't know about you, but I want to be considered a, a, a righteous man. And I'll speak to, to him being a, a righteous man a, a, little bit, a little bit later. But 
He was a righteous man, and he was a, a man that was a, a husband, and that would become a, a father, right? A father. And every, every person needs a father, right? We see this, this world that we live in. There's a lot of uh, children growing up without their fathers. And folks, it, it's just horrible. It's horrible. That's why society's where it's at. Fathers have gone missing. It's important to have a father. And so this righteous man became a father. And, uh, and, and we all need our heavenly father, most importantly, but we also need earthly fathers. And so he was an earthly father. He was a righteous man. He was a, he was a good man. And so we see that this, these were the things that, that, that he was, just a, a, an ordinary, an ordinary man. Okay? Second characteristics that we see of a man that is used by God, by God is that God uses people that are flexible. God uses people that are flexible. Here in verses 18 and 19, we see that uh, he is brought into a situation where, I mean, he's thinking life is going to be good. He is betrothed to Mary. He has been, uh, he has been, he's in a contractual stage of marriage with Mary. And back in those days, you know, the contractual stage, the way it worked was the way that I would want it to work sometimes here today in this world, okay? I have two daughters, 29-year-old and a 25-year-old. I'm looking for, uh, to, to, uh, to make a contract with somebody to marry off the, the 30-year-old. I'm joking. She's not here. I can say that, right? Uh, but, but. But, you know, she, because I want grandkids. Uh, but she is, uh, but, but, you know, back in the day, the contractual stage of, of marriage, you know, the, the parents would decide. Parents would decide, okay, you're going to marry this person. You know, you're going to be married to that person. And then they would decide. And a lot of times the, the, the young, the, the man was older. We know Joseph was older than, than Mary. Mary was young. And, and so, you know, he would look at her probably like, like, yeah, that's going to be my wife. I mean, she's young. She was probably beautiful. I mean, she was a righteous woman herself. Things were going to be great. But then he finds out that she's pregnant. And he's in this stage where, in this contractual stage part, where where he, where, where he's out, he, he knows this was the woman he was going to be married, but he's in the, in the second part of the stage that they had, and this was the, 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 the stage where he's betrothed to her. And in this betrothed stage, it was a stage of, of you already know you're going to marry this person, and it's kind of like the engagement stage. You're, you're preparing for the wedding day, so you're so, you know this is the person you're going to be with. You're not, you don't really even get to meet each other too much, but it's a time to test your faithfulness. It's a time of the, the fidelity of the, of the person being tested. It's a kind of a probation stage. Can, can, will the man be a man that will be a faithful worker? So him be a carpenter, him being a, a carpenter that would make money, that could provide for his wife. All these things would happen in, in this stage. The, the fidelity of, of, of it, again, being, being pure in, 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 their, in their person and being a righteous person. All this stuff was happening during this stage before the third stage would come, and that's the, the consummation stage, that the actual wedding period when they would come together and be, and be one. And in this, in, before that stage happens, again, she is found to be with the child. And he had to be flexible. He had to be flexible. He had to figure out what he was going to do next. He had a dilemma. And he had a dilemma and he had to make a decision. Will, will I do what 
the law allows me to do. The law says in, in, in Deuteronomy 22, verses 23 and verses 24, that, that he could have her stoned to death for being unfaithful. Because it wasn't his child. He knew that. And he had a, he had a decision to make, right? The law says that she was guilty, but, but love says have grace towards her. That was the decision that he had to make. The law says she, is, she must be convicted, but grace says have, have compassion. And so he, he had a decision. He had the tension of what he would do. On one hand, um, what we see is much like what God has done for us in, in him, even though he was ready to send her off, which means he was ready to divorce her, you know, God does, in many ways, it's like what God could do. God could send us away because of our sin, because of our guiltiness, because of our, uh, uh, we've failed him, we've rejected him so many times, and yet he still sent Jesus to die on the cross. He still, he still uh, did not send us to, to pay for our sins, to, to experience the wrath of God forever. Instead, he sends Jesus to, to be the ultimate sacrifice and to, and to love us. Right? God loves us so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on that cross and to resurrect, and there's power over sin and death right? through what Christ has done. We see the, the flexibility. We see the flexibility in Joseph. And folks, you know, any of you consider yourself to be harsh parents, hard parents? Maybe you've had hard parents. It's easier for us to confess our parents' sin than it is to confess our own, right? Um, I, I would say that my wife and I, we, we've been hard parents. I could say that we, we've been strict parents. Um, we, we, we could also say sometimes we try to be flexible parents. Uh, but, but a lot of times we try to be real strict. Like, you know, I used to tell my, my daughters, you know, Scripture says that, you know, that, that, that God told his people, I will, I will honor those that honor me and I will dishonor those that dishonor me. I used to tell my daughters that all the time, all the time. And as they've grown up, they've made their mistakes. And I could be just, this is what the Lord says, and I'm going to be like the Lord. And you guys are laughing at me, but you guys know, you know, the Lord has humbled me and taught me that, you know what? Yes, the Lord is righteous. The Lord is, is, is real. But there's times in our life where we must choose love over, over, over what is right, over the law. That's what he's done. He's given us a chance. He's given us an opportunity through Jesus that we may be saved. He was flexible. He's flexible to God's plan, right? He's flexible to, to, be, to be willing to do what God wanted from him, even though it says on here, he had already made up his mind. He secretly sent her away in verse, in verse 19. He, he did not want to disgrace her, but he was already planning a way to, to find a way to divorce her. He had the tension. He had the trouble there. He had, he had to make a decision. A lot of times we need to make the decision. What are we going to do? You know, when my kids have put me to the test, I've had to choose to be like, like God was with, with, uh, with us. And, and folks, it's, it's important. It's important that we choose love over the law. The, thing, the third thing that we see with people that God uses is that God uses righteous people. God uses righteous people. Righteous people, is we, we find that he is considered here again 
being a righteous man. This, this righteous man, Joseph, is a, is a person that doesn't compromise. A person that is righteous does not compromise the word of God, the law of God, the love of God. You cannot be righteous and compromise what the word of God says. Joyce, Joseph wanted to be a man that did according to what the word of God said. Again, he wanted to send her away. But folks, doing the right thing and being a righteous person is not just about the action that you take, but it's about the heart that you do it with. Righteous actions are not just the right actions, but they're, do, they're done with a heart of compassion. And this is what we see in him. He had this heart of compassion. If you've ever had to stand in, 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 in the position where you had to choose to make a decision that was righteous, folks, if you did not make that decision with a compassionate heart towards others, then you probably did not make the right decision. You probably were not righteous enough. You might have been right, but you probably were not righteous. Joseph made up his, he had made up his mind, but God had other plans. And we see this in, in verses 20 to 21, right? When he had considered this, it says, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. God's plan, right? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. That's, that's the good word, right? That's the first thing that I would be is afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who had been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill um, the, what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And God interfered, and God opened his eyes to be able to see what he wanted to do, what God was doing through this whole situation, right? Has God ever spoken to you and told you exactly what he's doing in the situation? In your life, has God ever spoken to you? You know that God still speaks? Yeah. I don't, I've never heard him audibly like say, hey, Pete, you know, he, I've never heard that. I'm kind of really scared of hearing that, Okay. I've, I've, I've never had a, an angel be sent to me in a dream either that I'm aware of to speak to me. But he has used pastors preaching the word of God through his pulpit. He has used uh, the devotional time that I have in the morning through people that have written devotionals and the reading of his word. Um, he, he, he has used uh, people from the church in different times of, of, of my life that has spoken the word of truth into my life. And he still continues to speak to ordinary people like us. To people that find ourselves a lot of times in situations of, of tension in, in life where things don't make sense and we need to be flexible. In times where I needed to make a righteous decision, not just a, the right decision, God continues to speak to us. And it's, and it's so important that when God speaks to us that we are willing to listen. He was willing to listen. 
know, it's, 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 it's something that a lot of times we don't want to hear. A lot of times we just want to, we, we just want to do according to our own understanding. But the word of God is here to, to guide us. It is a, a light unto our path. It's here to, to show us the, the right way to go. The, the, the word of God is not just an, we know that it's not just an old, uh, old letters that were written to churches or old letters that were written by people, but we know that it's a, the living word of God. It speaks to us today. We just have to find the application for our lives from it, the principle for, from it for, for our lives. The, 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 the character studies to see how these characters that were men and women like you and I, how they responded in these situations so that we might do the same and act in a way that is right and righteous before the Lord. Amen? Because has God spoken to us? Do you hear him? Are you listening? God speaks. He speaks to us through so many means. Number five, God uses obedient people. This is so important. God uses obedient people. Now, the reality is that God can use even a a donkey, right? We've seen him use a donkey. But can I tell you that he would rather use obedient people? You don't want to be treated like a donkey. God uses obedient people. We see in verses 24 and 25 the response. It says, Joseph awoke and started saying, Lord, why? No, he didn't do that. Matter of fact, do you notice he didn't even say a word? None of his words were repeated. None of his words were repeated. That tells me he never grumbled. Once he found out God's plan, he just, he says, he woke up from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. That's obedience. He took Mary as, as his wife. And then he continued to sacrifice and be flexible despite the embarrassment that could have come his way and the embarrassment that it was it was said about him like, oh, he's the son of the carpenter and all the other stuff that came his way. What we see instead is that he was just obedient. He kept Mary as a virgin until she gave birth to her son. And we know that he had other children later with her. But he was obedient, understanding that God had done something supernatural and he did his part. And folks, as we understand God's will and as God speaks to us, what we need to do is to continue to be obedient even when we don't feel like it. Because maybe, maybe it's just me, maybe not you. You always feel like doing God's will, right? Wrong. Wrong. As long as we're in this flesh, we always have the flesh contending against the Spirit of God. The spirit that indwells us, the Holy Spirit that's inside of us as children of God. And we have this tension of wanting to do our will, not wanting to do God's will. But if you're going to be used by God in a way like Joseph was used, you're going to be a person who, even when you do not feel like it, you're going to say, Lord, here I am. You're going to be like the Lord when he says in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, your will and not mine. Again, it cost him. It cost him to, to be obedient. I mean, to, to, 
to not be with the woman that he loved in, 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 for, for a season of time. It, it caused him embarrassment. It probably cost him jobs. You know, you're, you're that carpenter who, who you're married to that woman. Like, I, you can't finish my kitchen table anymore. You, you need to go get a job someplace else. It doesn't tell us that in Scripture. But, folks, that's the way it happened in this passage. You are a disgrace which he would have been considered a disgrace because he was married to Mary, it, it, cost, it cost them. And they didn't get that gold until like sometime later. You guys know the wise men didn't come till later, right? So he didn't have a lot of money anymore. They needed that gold to, to pay for some stuff. They had to come to Galilee. It cost them. It, it's going to cost you. If you're going to be a person that's going to be used by God, it's going to cost you. Sometimes, yes, financially. But sometimes it's going to cost you being embarrassed. For some, it's going to cost you leaving family behind. You, you guys saw the video, the International Mission Board video that was up there? You know, we were in Japan this year, my wife and I, connecting with our IMB family out there, with our International Mission Board family. Because uh, we're, we're going to take a, a group of pastors so that way they can take uh, mission groups from their churches out there. And we, we met that couple. We got to hang out with that couple. We had lunch with that, with that couple, uh, with Justin and his wife. By the way, they're expecting a baby. Can you imagine moving to Japan and having a, a baby and not having your grandparents around? Can you imagine being the grandparents and not having grandkids around? Okay, I know who I'm talking to now. Okay, I'm a grandpa, I know. Folks, sometimes it's going to cost you relationships that, that you only have with God, with people that you love, because God calls you to that place. Obedience costs, but we must be willing to be obedient, amen, if we want to be used by God. Again, it, it costs a lot of disruption in, in his world, Sometimes being obedient to God, it won't make sense. But we must say, yes, Lord, whatever your will is. Not my will, but yours. Amen. There's a story of the three trees. I'm, I don't know how much time I have, but I said 30 minutes, and I'm almost done. There's a story of three trees. Uh, you ever heard the story of the three trees? Yes? I heard someone say no. Somebody heard the story of three trees. Look at, there was three trees. This is not a true story, okay? Once there was three, three trees on a hill in the woods. They were discussing their hopes and dreams. The first tree said, someday I will, I will hope to be a treasure chest. I could be filled with gold and silver and precious gems. I could be decorated in intricate carvings and everyone would see my beauty. Then the second tree said, someday I will be a mighty ship. I will make kings and queens cross uh, the waters and sail to the corners of the world. Everyone will feel safe in me because of the strength of my hull. Finally, the, th the third tree said, I want to grow to be the tallest and straightest tree in the forest. People will see me on the top of the hill and look up to the branches and think of the heavens and, and God and how close to them I am reaching. I will be the greatest tree of all time and people will always remember me. After a few years of praying, these praying trees, 
um, that their dreams would come true, a group of woodsmen came upon them, upon the trees. When one came the, the, to the first tree, he said, this looks like a strong tree. I think I should be able to sell the wood to a carpenter. And he began to cut it down. The tree was happy because he knew that the carpenter would make him into a treasure chest. The second tree, a, a, a second woodsman uh, came and said, this looks like a strong tree. I should be able to sell it to a shipyard. The second tree was happy because he knew that he was on his way to become a mighty ship. The woodsman came upon the third tree. The tree was frightened because he knew that if they cut him down, his dreams would not come true. One of the woodsmen said, I don't need anything special from my tree, so I'll just take this one and cut it down. When the first tree arrived to the carpenter, he was made into a feed box for animals. He was then placed in a barn and filled with hay. This was not at all what he had planned. The second tree that was cut down was made into a small fishing boat. His dreams of being a mighty fish and carrying kings had come to an end. The third tree was cut into large pieces and left alone in the dark. The years went by and the trees forgot about their lofty dreams. One day, a man and a woman came to the barn. She gave birth, and they placed the baby in, in the hay in the feed box that was made from the first tree. The man wished that he could have made a crib for the baby, but this, this manger would have to do. The tree could feel the importance of this event. He's got feelings, I guess, too. And he knew that it had held the greatest treasure of all time. Years later, a group of men got into a fishing boat made from the second tree. One of them was tired and went to sleep. While they were out in the water, a great storm arose, and the tree didn't think it was strong enough to keep the men safe. The men woke up, woke the sleeping man, and he stood and said, Peace! And the storm stopped. At this time, the tree knew that it had carried the king of kings on its boat. Finally, Someone came and got the third tree. It was carried through the streets as the people mocked the man who was carrying it. When they came to a stop, the man was nailed to the tree and raised in the air to die on at top of the hill. When Sunday came, the tree came to a realization that it was strong enough to stand at the top of the hill and to be as close to God as it was possible because Jesus was crucified Folks, what we find in the moral of this story is that we're like pieces of wood sometimes, just ordinary people. But that if we allow ourselves in our lives to be used by God, we can be expectant that God will use you. And again, you've been created by him. All things have been created through him. For him. This Christmas, I want to tell you that God wants to use you in a mighty way. I don't know how. And it might be in the midst of all disruption. I've had two friends from different churches pass away this last year. And I'm thinking, man, in the midst of their pain, God still wants to use them. No matter what circumstance you're going through in your life today, can I tell you that God wants to use you? Will you be expectant? 
I mean, you're not going to be used as a king-sized bed. You're not going to be a sailboat or a fishing boat, much less that piece of wood that where our Savior hung. But God still wants to use you in your own way this morning. Will you cry out to the Lord and just say, Lord, how do you want to use me this Christmas? How do you want to use me for your glory this Christmas? Because I guarantee you, there was no insignificant character in the Christmas story. And there are no insignificant children of God that have been called by him to be used by him. This Christmas, cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, how will you use me? Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are here. Lord God, as they have heard from your word this morning and as we have looked at the life of Joseph, we see a man who wanted to live right before you and was found to be righteous because, Father, he leaned into you. And, Father, I pray that we would lean into you, that we would have your heart in everything that we do, and that, Father, that we would be expectant Expectant, Father, when, when you come and bring a situation into our life in the midst of whatever chaos might be, Lord God, I pray that we would be expectant to see you work through us. My God, I pray that you would give my brothers and sisters that are here that know you, that love you, the opportunity to share with others about your love this Christmas to those that don't know you, to those that have gone away from you, that they, Father, may be used as Father, as, as, as a tool that you have in your hand to speak of your goodness and grace, Father, that people might come to you. Use them, Father, to, to help in mending relationships that might be broken. Use them, Father, during this Christmas season to be uh, people that bring hope, Father, into places that are dark, that they, Father, may be lights, Father, reflecting your love. Put your word in them that they may speak word of truth, Father, to those around them. Lord God, use us, Father. Use your church. Let us be obedient to you, Lord God, and, be, and, and do what you have asked us to do. And that is, Father, to bring you glory, because that's what you created us for, Lord God, that we may love you and that we may bring you glory, Father, because I know that that pleases that we may please you just like Joseph pleased you. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you, Father, for the celebration we have of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask these things in the mighty name.